Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of the All Access USL podcast. Um, it's been about two weeks. Um, I've been getting more acclimated to the summer, I would say. It's a lot A lot happens in the summer, USL-wise. I will just flat out let you guys know. I'm sure you guys understand. There's CONCACAF Nations League. There's USL Championship. The transfer window is well and truly underway. Teams are bringing in players um, and we'll get to that towards the end of the episode, the big ins, the big outs. I'm sure you guys will know most of the big ins and the big outs, but we'll just go over them. One in particular that has broken the um, player transfer from outside the league record, which is incredible that that has happened. And it's a pretty decent fee for a USL championship player, I have to say. It's a big fee. More so than Diego Luna, which is quite incredible. But that's just how it's going to work for a player like, I'll say his name, Kobe Henry, who, granted, has more to prove, I'll, I'll say, than Diego Luna, but a club like Stadadem will have the financial ability over Ralph Salt Lake to pay the big money. So... Definitely a very intriguing signing for Stade de Rem. A great bit of business from Orange County. But like I said, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. And I think now I finally have worked out with my in real life work schedule and doing the podcast. I think episodes will come out every Thursday and they will all be very long because they'll be covering lots of games, previewing lots of games, covering lots of transfers, stuff like that. I'll even cover CONCACAF Nations League international games when that happens. The only real thing about um, international uh, football I'll talk about right now is a big congrats to Noah Powder on making the Nations League B team for Trinidad and Tobago. That is absolutely fantastic. He's outstanding for Indy 11, and he's incredible for Trinidad as well. So good on no powder. Um, seems like he just cannot stop winning right now. And I'm excited to see what he continues to do for the Indy 11 this season. That's the only little um, bit of international football I'm going to talk about today. Obviously, you've got your players who play for El Salvador, Joaquin Rivas, stuff like that in Group A, but they don't do as much as other players do, which is disappointing. But it's good to see a player like Noah Powder get the recognition and play well on an international stage. So, good for Noah Powder. But, other than that, we have a lot of games to review today from this past week, and then a lot of games to preview. We'll be previewing June 28th to June 24th, so that'll be about four match days worth. I know that's more than four days, but only four of those days will have games played on them. So, about four days of matches worth to preview and then I'll also be going over some stats as well at the end like who leads the league in goals conceded goals scored clean sheets stuff like that as we head into the middle ish of the season where it seems like we're really understanding where teams are like how good teams can actually be um I think at the beginning of the season Las Vegas really was a bit of a dummy team up at the top of the West, we've very clearly seen that. They have fallen well out of the playoffs now. They're, I believe, 11th in the West, which disappointing for them, but it seemed like it was going to come um, at some point, and they have fallen off massively since that very good start to the season. So with Las Vegas being an example, we're starting to see teams uh, find their rhythm almost which is good to cover. And the first game we're going to cover is two teams who really seem to be fitting into what they thought they were going to be. It's Monterey Bay and San Antonio. Monterey Bay being a team who so far have come up with some nice upsets against um, Louisville away specifically. That was a fantastic 2-0 win at Lynn Family Stadium. But they are closer to the bottom of the table. They're, I believe, 13th in the West right now. And San Antonio, a team who we knew would be good, currently, I believe, second in the West. 
And this game kind of told that tale. Granted, Monterey Bay do take the lead through Valeski in the 18th minute. Um, but then it's strong in the 39th minute for San Antonio. Justin Dillon in the 43rd minute for San Antonio. Jordi Delem, a new pickup or a new signing, I will say, for San Antonio. Own goal in the 68th minute does make it 2-all. But Patino in the 82nd minute does give San Antonio the win. And then Hugh Roberts, who has actually been a very, very good defender so far for Monterey Bay this season, gets his gets a red card in the 94th minute, the fourth minute of extra time. His second red card of the season will be disappointed with that. But um, not a bad showing for Monterey Bay. They are attacking-wise this season actually pretty decent, but it's been the defensive part. Even with how good Hugh Roberts has been, they've made some very, very, very bad errors. Just loose at the back, I'll say. They can't stay tight. They can't track a runner. They get pulled apart way too easily. Watching their games is hard sometimes, seeing just how easily that back line falls apart. And San Antonio probably could have scored more with the attacking pieces that they have, but... Again, they even on a day where they could have done better, they still put three past Monterey Bay. And that says something about Monterey Bay's defense. I'm sure they'll be looking to strengthen a little bit in um, in this summer. But if they don't, it could be a grueling rest of the season, even with a lot of home games left to play. So, yeah, this game kind of told... The two tails of both teams. Almost to a T, I would say. This next game, however, does not. Charleston 3, Pittsburgh Riverhounds nil. And for how poor I have seen Augie Williams play, that strike was good. And in the second minute, to give Charleston the early lead, give him the momentum, then it's Booth in the 38th and Romario Piggott in the 40. Eighth minute, the third minute of first half stoppage time. Three goals in the first half, sinking a strong Pittsburgh side is exactly what you need. I think if it's only that Augie Williams goal, Pittsburgh are able to get back in this game and probably win 2-1, 3-1, maybe even 4-1. But I think Pittsburgh got frustrated in this game. They didn't really know what to do because Charleston actually stayed clinical. They finished their chances. And then even if they were not great defensively in the second half, it didn't matter because Pittsburgh Pittsburgh were frustrated. They didn't know what to do with the ball when they had it. And when you're down 3-0, it just makes it that much worse. It's one thing when you're frustrated with the ball and it's like one all or nil-nil. If you're drawing the game, it's different. You still got a point on the line. You know, it's not. How do I put this really? It's easier to stay complacent when you're drawing the game or, you know, you know, you still have something to fight for. But when you're 3 0 down and you're the Pittsburgh Riverhounds who have so much quality in that team, obviously, I would say more so than Charleston, it's hard. It's very hard, but big props to Charleston. Maybe this could turn around their season. I'm not sure. This really showed what I thought they could be this year. A team who, yes, do have the attacking pieces again, but are lacking defensively. Um, But with one or two defensive pieces, I, guess, I like the Matt Sheldon move, Um, but other than that, the defense is tough. So yeah, one or two more moves and Charleston could be pushing maybe for the playoffs. It'd only be sixth or seventh, I'd say, but they could do it. Miami, however, we're moving on to the next game. Miami, Tampa Bay. This game is hard. Miami, I had such high hopes for them this season, but so far they have not lived up to them, especially the signings that they brought in. Um, it's Ekin Yode, an own goal from him in the 33rd minute to give Tampa Bay the lead. And then Leo Fernandez to give Tampa Bay the 2-0 lead. 
Atella for Miami in the 64th minute does get them within one. But um, it's, again, another home loss for Miami. They were lingering around that fifth or sixth place not too long ago. But now they're on the verge, if not having already fallen out of a playoff spot. And I think that's going to continue if something doesn't change. I don't know if sacking um, the manager is the right option, but something needs to change, whether it's tactically, whether it's board-wise, whether it's even player-wise, because they have not lived up to what they should be living up to. So Miami in a tough spot. Tampa, they're in a good spot. A fantastic victory away from home against Miami, who, yes, weren't playing well, but again, like I said, do have good players. And sometimes talent can come out over, you know, hard work, tactics, stuff like that. So a good away win. And Miami's not an easy place to go, usually. And to get that win in a Florida derby just shows Tampa Bay are still up there in terms of finishing ability, you know, tactical ability, stuff like that. They are still the Tampa Bay we've known from the past few seasons. The team that we saw get to the USL Championship final last year. So Tampa Bay, happy from this game. Miami, a lot of work to do if they want to turn things around. Next up, Atlanta United to beat Loudoun United 2-0. Both goals come from Rymar, who has had an absolutely fantastic past three or four games. Not much to say about this game. I think the better side did come out on top. It was a pretty standard um, game, I'd say. Atlanta United 2 um, showed what they do have in the youth of um, Atlanta United's academy. And Loudoun United, you know, they're off and on. They started the season well in like the first two games. Didn't play well for like the next eight and picked it up sort of. Now it seems like they're back a little bit. But again, who knows? It's Atlanta United 2 and it's Loudoun. They're all of the MLS second teams are very off and on. So take it as you will. Atlanta United 2 get the three points over Loudoun United. Good for them and good for Rymar who is having a standout couple of games. Next up, we have Detroit City losing at home to Sacramento. Sacramento is a team who have kind of flown under the radar. Yes, they've had some pretty poor games, but this is a fantastic win against a top tier, which is crazy to say in their first season, but yes, a top tier Eastern Conference team goes from Fiatr in the 10th minute and Keiko in the 56th minute, give them the 2-0 win, and Sacramento will be heading back home with a nice three points. I don't think this means much for Detroit. Yes, obviously they would like to win these games, but it's a bump in the road. Detroit, from what we have seen, are a very, very good team. A very good team moving the ball specifically, um, which for some new teams can be hard. A lot of new teams, I feel, just go you know, direct route one ball, but Detroit have a very easy time moving the ball around their opponents, which is fantastic to see. Their manager has got them ticking nicely. And then Sacramento, a good win. Um, seems a team that will finish probably around third or fifth in the West, I'd say. Um, don't know if they're contenders, I'd say, for USL Championship Cup. But that is something to see as we get towards the end of the season. They're certainly playing well right now. So, yeah. Right now, I think they play around a third to fifth in the West uh, playoff team. Which, after last year, not something to scoff about. Okay, next up, we have Oakland Roots drawing two all at home against RGV. RGV take an early 2-0 lead thanks to goals from Coronado and Aqui in the 14th and 24th minute. And then Oakland rally back through Azakar and Dennis in the 78th and 80th minute to draw two all. And this kind of feels like the story of Oakland this season. A lot of draws, a lot of low-scoring losses. They get a couple wins here and there. Even though he didn't score in this game, Magnus Carlsen has been Oakland's savior. Without Carlsen, 
they would easily most likely be the last team in the West. But something about this Oakland team makes me think they're going to find that late season form that they found last year that leapfrogged them into the playoffs. They play like they should be there, but they're not, which is so difficult to watch sometimes because they play good, but these little mishaps, mostly defensively, attacking-wise, they're pretty decent, but defensively, it's hard to watch. RGV, on the other hand, they're RGV. They are Rio Grande Valley. They're the Rio Grande Valley we have seen for so many seasons. They are increasingly average to below average. You know, the Houston Dynamo don't do a fantastic job of youth academy recruitment in general, and that shows with RGV and how much they have struggled in this league for so long. Last year, they did well, but this year it seems like they're back to it. Um, And while it can be the same that we see Atlanta United 2 and Loudon and New York Red Bulls 2 struggle nowadays, Red Bulls 2 a couple seasons ago were good, but now these teams struggle. Is It seems like these teams get their youth academy players up to the first team pretty quickly and integrate them into the first team pretty quickly. It seems like for RGV and Houston, the youth academy aspect of it or the youth aspect in general isn't really there, which is disappointing. But I'd love to see Houston improve upon that. For RGV, though, it was a decent first half and a devastating second half. Next up, a game that went about as straightforward as you could expect. It's San Diego dropping Hartford 3-0 thanks to goals from Charlie Adams, Among, and a Rashawn Daly own goal in the 83rd minute. San Diego far and away the better team this whole game. This was the game that I decided to watch the most of um, this past weekend, and San Diego are good. That loss to Louisville, that 5-2, I would say is a fluke ish just not on their game. Kyle Vassell has been banging them in, even if he hasn't done it in this game. Adams has been good. Among has been good, as they showed in this game. Hartford need to pick it up. They have not been good for a while. 2020, they were decent. Last year, not great. This year, exceedingly poor. And then 2019, if I can remember correctly, also pretty poor which is disappointing because Hartford has a fantastic loyal fan base. I'm not saying other teams don't. I'm just saying Hartford is a team whose fans deserve more and they consistently seem to be let down. This transfer window, this past transfer window, I should say, seemed like they were headed in the right direction with all their new additions. But um, at this point, it seems like more is needed or more needs to be demanded from the players they have on hand. Next up, we have LA Galaxy 2 against Colorado Springs Switchbacks. Again, this game went about as straightforward as you would think, except for Remy Cabral giving LA Galaxy 2 a 1-0 lead in the 14th minute, but Colorado Springs come right back thanks to goals from Haji Berry, Elvis Amo, and Cam Lindley. Um, two of those coming in the second half, and Colorado Springs take a 3-1 win away from L.A. Not much to say about this game. Pretty straightforward. We know Colorado Springs are a very good team. We know L.A. Galaxy 2 can be a good team. Um, but more often than not, they get outshone. And on this night, that's just what happened. So I'm going to move on to two more ga- to two games, I should say, that are... Obviously, this game was interesting, but more intriguing, I'll say. Um, Purely based off of the score lines, the stories, who won. Um, So we have Las Vegas Lights 3, Orange County nil. Orange County's championship defense so far has been absolutely abysmal. Losing 3-0 to Las Vegas, who have been poor since about... April is incredibly disappointing from like a fan perspective. I'm not a fan of Orange County, but if I were a fan, 
I would not understand what's going on. They have strengthened so well, it seemed, but they just have not gotten production from anybody. It's Skendi in the 21st minute, an own goal, Danny Trejo in the 64th minute, and then Cal Jennings in the 86th minute. And t- both of those goals coming from LAFC loanees. So Las Vegas are seemingly getting a lot, even if they are quite poor this year, they're getting a lot of production from their loanees. And that's kind of where you need to make it count if you're a team like Las Vegas. So good for them. But Orange County, kind of comparing the ins that they have both brought in. Las Vegas didn't have like a roster published until like a week or two before the season started. Orange County have players like Eric Kubo Torres, you know, players like that. He is a fantastic striker. He hasn't been able to show it this year because this team has just been so bad. Skendi, you know, Milowski, players like that, such good players. But they just have not been able to put it together. And it shows when you're losing 3-0 to Las Vegas. No, no, like, ill meaning to Las Vegas with that. But Las Vegas fans will know that they have been pretty poor. And a performance like this against Orange County is incredible. And then lastly, for game reviews, we have... Phoenix against El Paso. El Paso taking the 1-0 win at Wild Horse Pass thanks to a Aaron Gomez 71st-minute penalty. This game sums up Phoenix's season so far. And, I mean, Phoenix have deserved to fall out of the playoffs, and they have. They're currently 8th in the West. Even with their players that they've had out due to COVID, like that 7-0 loss to New Mexico, they have not been good. The signings have been off, which usually they're spot on with their signings. But this year, they seem to have missed. And it seems to show that even more with Manu Madrid's red card in the 69th minute, sending Phoenix down to 10 men um, and giving El Paso that penalty, which ultimately gives them the three points and Phoenix nothing. So Phoenix... Need to be back on top of it heading in to the next match day. Will they? I don't know. It's it's Phoenix. We all know it's Phoenix. So it's, you kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe something's going on in the locker room with the players or something like that. Maybe the team just isn't gelling and they need a bit more time. But one or two more losses like this, and I think Phoenix could be in a bit of trouble. Granted, they already are in a bit of trouble. They haven't been great in their past few games. but they still do luckily have time to turn it around. Um, Will they do that? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. So that wraps up the um, review section for this past weekend's games. And with that, before we head into our next section, we're going to take a quick break. All right, and we are back. We have four more games to review before we head into our game previews. Um, for June 28th to June 24th. So let's jump right into the reviews first. Um, These are from Wednesday, June 15th. Um, First off, Hartford won, Memphis won. A good draw against top-of-the-table Memphis um, for Hartford. A goal in the 21st minute from Obregon Jr. and Memphis getting their goal from Philip Goodrum in the 64th minute. Memphis definitely would want more from a team like Hartford, lower in the East, but Hartford will absolutely take this, especially after um, that 3-0 loss to San Diego. Two very difficult games in a row. Will Hartford be able to turn it around against Atlanta United 2? Maybe. We'll see. But a good draw nonetheless for Hartford, who were definitely in need of something to cherish. Next up, two teams who have been exceedingly disappointing. One, maybe we should have Maybe, not maybe, I at least expected. Another one, not so sure. Uh, New York Red Bulls 2, nil-nil draw against FC Tulsa. New York Red Bulls, um, the only thing really of meaning from this game is Juan Castillo in the 79th minute gets his second yellow for Red Bulls 2 and is sent off. Um, But a pretty disappointing showing from both sides. 
pretty good defending from both sides, I'll have to say. But New York Red Bulls 2, this whole season, have showed some of the worst finishing across the league. Which, given some of their attacking options, maybe isn't too crazy. But they have got Jeremy Raffanello. They've got Jordan Adebayo-Smith up there. It's decent. Um, if they would have kept Jake LaCava, I think some of their goal-scoring woes would have gone away. But their decision to loan him away, or New York Red Bulls' decision to loan him away instead of keep him at Red Bulls 2, don't know why. But, hey, their decision, and he's fl- uh, flourishing at Tampa Bay. So, good for him. But, Red Bulls 2 and Tulsa, a pretty disappointing nil-nil draw. Next up, we have Oakland 1, New Mexico United 2. Rito in the 20th minute for Oakland gives them the lead. But it's Nico Brett and Chris Weehan, two of New Mexico United's biggest contributors this year. Giving them that 2-1 win, continuing the fine form that we've seen from New Mexico United this year. They have quietly been one of the best teams this year. Even though they might not be first or second in the West, they have been, in my opinion, fantastic. They've been fun to watch. They've been playing fluid, attacking football. Defensively, they've been doing well. Um, but the only real issue from this game is Jerome Kiesewetter gets sent off in the 92nd minute, the second minute of added stoppage time in the second half. Disappointing end to what should have been a very good win, but they'll take it on the chin and they'll head into their next game looking to continue um, this form. And then... To finish off the reviews, we have a absolutely crazy game. It's another California Derby. It's LA Galaxy 2 taking on Monterey Bay. A hat trick from Preston Judd lifts Monterey lifts LA Galaxy 2, pardon, to a 3-2 win over Monterey Bay. Donner in the 51st minute and Rebayarf in the 62nd minute give Monterey Bay their goals, but in the end, it's not enough. Um, to get over LA Galaxy 2, and LA Galaxy 2 continue their impressive wins. Granted, Monterey Bay, but still, outstanding performance from Preston Judd. Preston Judd? No, Preston Judd, and gives LA Galaxy 2 a bit more fire as they head into their next game, which isn't for a little while, I believe. Yes, it is not for a while. No, it is actually on... Saturday. So, I don't know what I'm saying, I guess. But heading into that game against Sacramento, they are on. Um, after that Colorado Springs switchback loss, on a very, off of a very good performance, I should say. And Preston Judd will be feeling himself heading into that game. But now we head into the big previews. Um, I don't know exactly how I'm going to split them. I might run out of time for this session, but we shall see. Um, not this episode, but just this part of the session. So, we'll see when we get there. First up, we have Detroit City, currently 4th in the East against El Paso, currently 5th in the West. El Paso, obviously coming off of a very disappointing start to the season, where it seemed like their manager was under consideration to be sacked, but they have picked it up insanely well this year, or after that rough patch. And then Detroit City, who have just been fairly outstanding regardless of that Sacramento loss and some of the road bumps that they've hit for an expansion team, um, for a team that is just currently gelling this year. You know, a whole new batch of players obviously comes with an expansion team. They have done exceedingly well. And I wouldn't put it past it, put it past them to get a good result here. It's another home game. Um, and I think I'm going to give it a one-all draw. It'll be a decent result for both teams. I think Detroit City have shown their stubbornness to concede goals. Well, El Paso recently have been putting in goals for fun. But I think this one will be a bit more of a tame draw. I think Detroit City will play more to how they want to play, and El Paso will play into that. But I think in the end, the spoils will be shared, and it will be a one-all draw. Next up, we have Atlanta United 2, who are currently 11th in the East against Hartford Athletic, who are currently 12th in the East. Two teams right next to each other in the Eastern Conference. And for good reason. Both have been pretty poor. Um, Hartford coming off of that one-all draw against Memphis and Atlanta United 2. Fair enough. Uh, Coming off of a 2-0 win against Lowney United. But I don't think they're going to continue 
their winning uh continue their winning ways. Again, players like Rymar have been very good um, in the past couple games, but I think Hartford Athletic have a lot to show here. Uh, goalkeeping wise against Hartford, they were very good. Slayton was very good in that game, and I think that will keep them in this game. I think it'll be a one nil win for Hartford. Um, and I think that uh, their defensive play in this game will give them the opportunity and, in the end, the win in this game. And I United 2 will be disappointed, but they are an MLS second team. I don't think Atlanta United, obviously the Atlanta United 2 fans will be disappointed with a loss like this, but I don't think Atlanta United are too worried about results here, more about giving the players playing time, which is disappointing, but it's just how it's going to work for hopefully this season and this season only, and hopefully next year we move away from MLS second teams being in the USL championship. With that, we move into another MLS second team, Loudoun United, currently 10th in the East against Phoenix, who are 8th in the West. A very, very weird place to see Phoenix. Obviously coming off of that 1-0 loss at home to El Paso, but still a very weird place to see Phoenix, especially after the last couple seasons that they've had where they've easily finished top of the West. And now it just does not seem to be coming together. And I think that will be even more so in this case. Um, Don't know why I just said that. I think that'll be the case in this game as well. I think Loudoun United will take this game. I think it's going to be another low scoring game. I think Loudoun United take this 1-0. Phoenix have been showing recently their kind of like inability to score. I want to say, I, I say inability to score, but they're frustrated because they haven't been able to get these good results. And I think it's going to show again here. Now, granted, they could come out and thrash Loudon and we'll say, there's the Phoenix we know. But even though I just say, just said earlier, we have to give Phoenix the benefit of the doubt. Do we? I'm kind of thinking back on that, and it's like Loudoun United, a team that they don't play often due to this um, outer conference like scheduling with only playing a few teams, Loudoun United could stump them, and I think they will. And I'm going to reiterate, I think Loudoun United take this game 1-0 just through pure hard work, pure shithousery play, just absolutely like garbage ball but they get the win and that's all that matters and it will be another disappointing loss for phoenix i don't think chance will be uh chance being their manager i don't think i'll say his full name rick chance i don't think he will be under the cost just yet but a few more losses after this maybe he does have to go um and they need a breath of fresh air to get them back on track where they have been the past few seasons but uh, one of the more intriguing games for sure on Saturday. Next up, we have Tampa Bay, currently third in the East, coming off of that big win against Miami, against Charleston, coming off of that massive win against Pitt, Pittsburgh, and Charleston currently 13th in the East, not bottom um, after that win, jumping over New York Red Bulls 2 to take 13th in the East. But I think it'll be back to losing ways, unfortunately, for Charleston here. Tampa Bay are a very good side attacking-wise and defensively. And creatively, creative wise, creativity wise, gosh, I cannot get words out today, I guess. But yeah, creativity wise, just all around Tampa Bay, very good side. Uh, I think that'll show. I think Tampa Bay take this game 4-1. Charleston have shown their ability, even in games where they lose big, to be able to put goals on the board. I think they'll be able to do that, but I think Tampa Bay will overwhelm them too much with just how consistent and well-rounded they are. So yeah, I think Tampa Bay take this game fairly easily and I think the story will be the same for the next game it's Louisville City currently second in the east taking on Orange County currently 12th in the west and like I stated earlier it's an Orange County side who whose um, title defense has gone exceedingly poor uh, coming off of a 3-0 loss to Las Vegas who have been not great um for the past couple months, but they put in a fine performance over Orange County. And I think Orange County are just on a downward trend, which is disappointing because I said earlier, they brought in a lot of good pieces. And with the sale of Kobe Henry, 
it seems like they ha will have some money to reinvest in the side and again get to a, re a reinvestment piece that they've done earlier or that they've done we'll get to that later but for this game i just think they won't have it i think louisville will take this game three nil as well and i think it's just going to be condemning the misery for orange county another brutal loss i don't know how much more their fans will be able to take especially after a championship winning season where it seemed like they could get back to those heights but very clearly those are wishes that are dead and buried unless something drastically changes next up a very intriguing game sort of like loud in phoenix it's currently 10th in the west rio grande valley against fifth in the east pittsburgh riverhounds now pittsburgh have been playing very well this season but only fifth in the east i'm sure they'd love to be a bit higher there um a couple teams above them who are overperforming specifically memphis i don't think a lot of us thought they would be there but big props to memphis they've been outstanding but pittsburgh wise i'm sure um this game will be back to basic ways after that 3-0 loss to charleston uh charleston kind of just popped up in that game and put in a shift we could see them do it um, against Tampa Bay. I doubt it. If they do, who knows? Maybe a winning run is on and their season could turn around, but I don't think it will. For Pittsburgh, I do think it is a bit, it's a tough loss to take. They'll have to take it on the chin. They will have to turn it around here. If they don't against another not great opposition in RGV, I don't think questions will have to be asked, but definitely something to keep in the back of your mind heading into... Um, the next games, you know, Pittsburgh can do it against the bigger teams, but when it comes to opposition that seemingly are weaker than them, are they underestimating them? You know, are they just not giving them any credit? What is it? But we'll see. I do think Pittsburgh take this game 2-1, but a very intriguing game nonetheless. Um, I will definitely be keeping a close eye on that one. Next up, we have currently first in the West, the Colorado Springs switchbacks taking on seventh in the East, Indy 11. Indy coming off of a, I believe, 4-3 win against the Charleston Battery. Yes, that would be the game um, at Patriots Point. A very, very, very decent win for the Indy 11. Colorado Springs coming off of that 3-1 win against LA Galaxy 2. So beating bottom of the table opposition, um, but Colorado Springs just have that. I will, I'll say it if I can get it out. They have that X factor. They have that finishing ability. Yes, Indy did put four goals past Charleston, but actually, no. It was a good performance from Indy. I will have to say defensively, no, which I think will cost them here because Colorado Springs have a much better offense than Charleston and a much better defense than Charleston. So we'll absolutely be a different story. I think Colorado Springs will win this game 2-0. I don't think it'll be a thrashing like some people might think it will be, but Colorado Springs should definitely dispatch of Indy 11 here. If Indy 11 get a win here, that is incredible. I think obviously Colorado Springs will be disappointed, but I've been saying it this whole episode. They'll have to take it on the chin because they're still first in the West. They still have a lot to play for. It's not like they're um, mid to lower in the Western Conference or, you know, third or fourth where this could throw them into a loop where they're really in a fight. They are first in the West. They're not fighting for a playoff spot. They're fighting for first. So everything here will be a bit of a setback. But when you're first in the West, you just got to take it if you lose and keep going. But I don't think they're going to lose. I think the switchbacks will take this game 2-0. Next up, we have San Antonio FC, currently second in the West, taking on Oakland, currently ninth in the West, and I think this game will be straightforward as well. San Antonio coming off of that 3-2 win against Monterey Bay, and Oakland coming off of a, granted, a remarkable but also disappointing comeback to all draw at home against RGV. I think San Antonio take this game 3-1. Oakland do have that scoring ability, but that defense is going to cost them again. And San Antonio's attacking ability will come out on top. Absolutely. San Antonio, we knew that they would be an attacking force this year, and they have shown it to us, which 
seeing that come to fruition has been fun to watch. And then last on June 18th, we have Sacramento currently 6th in the West against LA Galaxy 2, who are currently 7th in the West. So, very close in the table. I do think Sacramento will have the I do think Sacramento will have the edge in this game. LA Galaxy 2. Hmm, saying it out loud now. I don't know. Coming off of that 3-2 win against Monterey Bay, I think LA Galaxy 2 will be fired up. I wouldn't be surprised if this finishes a two-all draw. Draws in the Western Conference against seemingly mid-table sides um, are definitely something that I feel happens often, especially for these late-night games. So I'm sure a two-all draw will happen here. I almost could guarantee it, I feel. I'm not going to put anything on it, but I I feel like I could almost guarantee it. Um, So I'll say Sacramento and LA Galaxy 2 draw um, for the last and latest kickoff on Saturday. With that, we move into Sunday, June 19th, where there is only one game. It is 4th in the West, San Diego against 11th in the West, Las Vegas. Las Vegas coming off of that win against Orange County. I will give props to Las Vegas. It was a fantastic victory. Very well worked. Um, Clinically, they were outstanding. Defensively, they shut Orange County down. San Diego, though, is a different monster, and at Torero Stadium, I feel like Las Vegas will be overwhelmed, and I think San Diego take this uh, 2-1. Not too much, I feel, between the two sides in this game, but I think San Diego, just quality-wise, will get the win here. Uh, So yeah, 2-1 win for San Diego. That moves us to June 22nd, where we have two games, first being Memphis 9-1, currently first in the East against Tulsa ninth in the East. Memphis have been a bit of a wild card. Some games it feels like they're on top of it and they can score goals for fun um, and get the win. And some games it feels like they're not on top of it, but they still grind out that win. I feel like this game is going to be the former, and I feel like they are going to score goals for fun on a Tulsa defense, which we have seen is incredibly poor this year. I'm going to give Memphis a five to win here. Tulsa can score, and I think they will. Memphis also did get a 5-2 win against Atlanta United, but I think it'll be another 5-2 here for Memphis, uh, and it will just be a crazy, hectic game. And then next up on June 22nd, we have third in the West New Mexico United versus 10th in the West RGV. Again, a game I feel is pretty straightforward. RGV I would say are a bit towards average, below average this year. New Mexico United have been very consistent, very good all around the park. And I think New Mexico United take this game 1-0. I think RGV are hard to break down at sometimes, but I think uh, New Mexico will be able to do it and get that 1-0 win. And that moves us into June 24th, where we have two games. We have first in the West, Colorado Springs switchbacks against second in the West, San Antonio FC. Um, this game is going to be insane. Two very good attacking sides, two very good defensive sides. It is going to be an absolute cracker of a game. I have no doubt about it. I do think there will be lots of goals in this game because I think sometimes the defenses can let them down, but attacking-wise, they're always sharp. I think we will see a three-all draw. I don't think there's much between these two sides. I think... Like, fluidity-wise, Colorado Springs are a bit better, but grinding out results, I think San Antonio are a bit better there. So that's what I think Colorado will hold more of the ball, get more of the play in the attacking third, but I think San Antonio just have that ability to grind that win out, grind the points out, and I think that's where we'll get this three-all draw. And then last, on June 24th, that Friday, we have 11th in the West, Las Vegas, against 8th in the West, Phoenix, if they don't turn around against Loudon, I think they'll turn it around against Las Vegas. Las Vegas, even at home, are generally or yeah, generally pretty meh this season wise. So I think Phoenix get the two-no win here. I think this could be a game where they turn it around. Even if Loudon could be that game, I'm not sure about that, but I think even if they lose to Loudon, I think this game is where possibly they could turn it around um, and get a good quality three points. And with that, we finished the previews for 
the um, June twenty June eighteenth to June twenty fourth games. And before we head into the transfers and stats session, we are going to take another quick break. And we are back once again. We have just a couple more things to talk about here. Um, a few uh, transfers, and then just going to go through some stats. Um, first of all, today, June 16th, um, as a replacement for Kobe Henry, Orange County signed Ahmed Longmere from Nashville in MLS to a loan for the duration of the 2022 season. Definitely seems like a good um, option for a replacement for Kobe Henry. Obviously not Kobe Henry. Probably doesn't have Kobe Henry's ability. A bit older as well, but a decent option for sure. I don't believe he has played um, for Nashville yet, but a UCLA alum and MLS uh, Super Draft pick seems a decent option for Orange County as they look to turn their season around. Uh, this transfer happened a couple weeks ago, but Jordi Delem from Seattle on a free to San Antonio. Definitely a good CDM pickup for San Antonio, trying to bolster that midfield defensively. Um, Creativity-wise, they're good. Finishing-wise, they're good. Defensively, they're good. But I think getting in an MLS-caliber CDM was a good move for them, and Jordi Delem is a fantastic player overall. They also picked up Samuel Adeneron from Seattle on loan for the rest of the season. A good finishing striker. Can finish from um, good angles. Has that ability. I love. I like players like Samuel Adeneron who aren't afraid to take risky or seemingly weird shots just for the fact that they might go in if they're in a rough spot they don't have a pass they're close to goal they'll take that shot they don't look to do unnecessary dribbles where they could lose the ball they take a shot and if it's a good shot it'll go in and i love that from samuel adenon he's one of the few i feel usl strikers who has the wherewithal and the mindfulness to do that and i think he will be able to thrive in a attack as good as San Antonio's he did provide granted it wasn't a goal nor an assist but a shot that was deflected to a San Antonio player against Monterey Bay so I think Samuel Adenron like I said will be a very good addition for San Antonio and now we get into the big two we're going to start with the one that I feel could have broken a USL championship uh, feet record had he gone abroad, but I think RSL is a good spot. It's Diego Luna heading to RSL. He did feature against Vancouver um, a couple weeks ago for his first MLS minutes, but it seemed like only a matter of time before Diego Luna got his move to the MLS or to MLS, I should say. And I think RSL is a perfect fit. A team in need of some bright young talent, a team in need of just some attacking prowess in general. Diego Luna is tiny. He's quick. He's agile. He's bulky. He is just exactly what RSL needed. A bit more, I'll just say, like, not firepower, but almost just, I don't know. I Diego Luna brings this sort of, like, energy that I think RSL, who have already had a good season, will thrive with even more with Diego Luna on the pitch. And he's just an incredibly creative midfielder i love it and i'm excited to see what diego luna does in mls and then the big one kobe henry heads to stade de Rem in france for a fee believed to be around a million dollars breaking a usl championship received fee um, quite incredible for a player who has minimal usl championship games under his belt I, I believe i don't think he's played that many games if from what i've seen him play so far i don't believe he's played that many games. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's played minimal games in the USL Championship. But he has played extensively for US youth national teams, and he is clearly a good talent as he heads to France to play for Stade de Rem. And it's a good chunk of cash for Orange County to reinvest in the side and hopefully turn their season around as they look to get out of this seemingly championship-winning slump. So those are some transfers um, I wanted to talk about. And now to finish up, we'll just go through some stats. Your current Golden Boot leader 
Um, heading into the next match day, match day, I should say, is Otar Magnus Carlson of Oakland with 10 goals. And your current clean sheet leader is Kyle Morton with Louisville with seven clean sheets. No surprises there. Kyle Morton is a very quality and capable goalkeeper. Has been very good for Louisville. And then Carlson has been the cream of the crop. Oakland's best player by far for goals scored this year. So far, we have both El Paso and the San Diego Loyal tied for 30. And the worst, I'm sure you guys will know, it is New York Red Bulls 2 have only scored nine times this season. And Jordan Adebayo-Smith has four of those nine goals, I believe. So very disappointing stuff from them. Conceded-wise, New Mexico United have the best defense in the league, having only conceded 10 goals and the worst defense. Again, this might surprise a few people. It's not New York Red Bulls 2. It is Monterey Bay, who have conceded 35 goals so far this season. And for a expansion team um, out in the West, I feel that's not too crazy. They're not bottom, as far as I'm aware. I don't believe they're bottom. But um, it is disappointing stuff, for sure, for Monterey Bay. They actually might be bottom. I... I'm going to check real quick because I now that I say that, I am pretty sure Monterey Bay are bottom. But as I was saying, not too crazy for a, I feel, expansion team out in the West. The West, I want to say the West is harder to acclimate to than the East. So I'll stick with that. I do feel that. Even though um, the West might be a bit closer in terms of you know, points, there's no New York Girls 2, no Loudon out there. Um, I do feel it is quite difficult to acclimate to the Western Conference over the East. Monterey Bay are bottom of the Western Conference. But they do have some quality wins um, that they've picked up this year. So even though they could absolutely be doing better and their fans will want better, it could be much worse. They could be New York Rebels 2. Um, and I don't think anybody would want to be New York Rebels 2 right now. But with that, that concludes today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and I will see you guys for episode 12 next week with a bunch more previews, game reviews, and more transfers. So yeah, I will see you guys then.